Ultimate Guide Podcast, episode 68. It's Kaylin Amadio, the Boomer Gal, author of the Boomer's Ultimate Guide to Social Media Marketing. And I am here with another uh, episode of Boomer's Ultimate Guide podcast. I have another wonderful baby boomer I want to introduce you to. So please meet Christine Baumgartner. I'm going to tell you a little about her. For over eight years, Christine has worked with singles who are ready to finally have a loving partner in their life and are willing to tackle what's keeping that love away so they'll finally attract the committed loving relationship they desire and deserve. As a successful coach for John Gray, remember he is the author of the very famous Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus books. Um, So as a successful coach with John and uh, combining or combing through her personal dating experiences, Christine created the Transform Your Dating Life system. She knows this system works because it is how she met her now deceased husband, Tony. They were married back in 2007. Christine's clients are people who you might find saying things like, I've been dating for a while and I'm still meeting the wrong person. If that resonates with you, keep watching. (laughs) Maybe you've said, I'm newly single and I don't know where to begin. That's a big one for boomers because you're no longer, you know, 18 to 25 out in the dating market. And uh, how do you start doing this again? You're not the same person anymore. Or maybe you said, I've had several short-term relationships and I'm really ready now for that long-term committed relationship. Christine knows that her coaching provides the tools, encouragement, and support that will help you finally meet your lasting love. Christine Baumgartner, welcome to Boomer's Ultimate Guide Podcast. I am so excited to be here. I just am all a Twitter. <laughs> I am glad that you could spend some time with us. We we discovered right before we started recording, I'm in New York and she's in sunny California. So my day is almost at an end, but she's still got time to go out in the garden and, mm-hmm. and do all kinds of things that uh, I am envious of. So we're clearly going to talk about, you know, finding that love, maybe finding your mate, if that is, is what you're ready for at this point in your life. The first question I always ask my guests that come on this podcast, and it is by far not a prerequisite to being a guest on the podcast, but I ask them to share, you know, a, a little more about their history, how they came to be doing, what it is they're doing, and to share with us if they too are a baby boomer. <laughs> well, I am member in good standing, hard caring. Absolutely, um, I'm. I have lots of great nieces and nephews in my life, so I love telling people when I get to those quarters. So I am now sixty five and a half. <laughs> it's so funny when you when you are around kids, they're always doing that. I'm fifteen and three quarters. Okay, got it. <laughs> I'm 65 and a half, smack dab in the boomerism. So I, as a lot of people in our age group, got married right out of high school. And the reason I got married was I wanted out of the house. Okay. And my thought process, because I knew everything at a month shy of 19. As we all do. Of course. I saw a bumper sticker once that said, hire a teenager. Well, they still know everything. <laughs> That's a- a great t-shirt thank you i my 
first husband was the first person who'd ever shown that much interest in me. I was much more friends with boys than really dating them. And I said, oh, well, no one else is ever going to ask me. I just knew. If I didn't say yes to him, it was all over. So we were married for 13 years. And what I looked for in my such unconscious thinking I know everything way was I thought, oh, I have all these holes in me and these things I don't know. And I'll look for somebody who has those things. So my first husband was really artistic and very outgoing and very forceful in his arguments and was just so big. It's a big personality. Well, it turned out that he also had these big holes in his life. And so what I look at is that we were really half people. We hadn't really formed ourselves because we were still so young. So I thought, well, two half people will make a whole person and it's just two half a people. You don't really end up with work that way. No, you really need to be a whole person. Yeah, the math doesn't work. Okay. Didn't work. And I didn't understand that. But as I got farther into my marriage, I was married for 13 years. I discovered, well, I am a lot of those things. I speak in front of groups and I have an opinion that people listen to and I don't like being bullied and I really like making money and keeping it. And he was very artistic and always spending things on projects. So I said, I think I can't stay here anymore. It's really making me not my best person. But what was amazing is we'd fought and fought and fought a lot, especially at the last half of our marriage. Then we went back to being friends. Our divorce was amiable. People that came to the house, you know, like the real estate person and the, I can't even remember, appraiser, they like peek in the door because they think pots of hands are going to be flying. Oh, come in, have a drink. And it was really, we'd gone back to liking each other. Right. So then I get divorced and I think, well, I sure know all the things I don't want, but I don't really know what I do want. And right after that, I started a party planning company. So I had this very successful event planning company for 25 years and I dated off and on, but it doesn't leave a lot of room for dating. And I said, oh, that's why. That's why I'm not in a relationship. And my friends would say, well, gosh, that seems like such a nice guy that you've dated him for a while. What do you think? And I go, oh, he's a nice guy, but I would never marry him. And they, oh, so he'd be gone. And then I, the next guy, I'd be dating for a little while. And they'd say, so what about him? Yeah, he's really nice. I'd never marry him. But I didn't really think about why I was saying that. Mm-hmm. And so I was actually single for 25 years before I married Tony. And the last five years, I said, you know, I think I want to get married. So I guess I should pay attention to what I would want if I got married and why I wouldn't want to marry these men. So I started really paying attention to the traits of the men across the table from me. And yes, they were lovely men. But I go, wow, people just talk to me. They'd say, how do you find this out? I go, I just ask interested questions. (laughs) They would make all this money. You know, they'd have positions that I knew. They made really good money. But they didn't have any savings or retirement. And I'm now in my 50s, late 40s, going into 50s, and saying, well, I don't want to date somebody that doesn't care about saving. And then I started meeting men. They're in this horrible debt, horrible debt. I mean, some from divorce and child support, but one, this man had gone on this round the world trip and it was really quite an interesting story. 
and he was came back in debt. He was in debt and then he got a job, but he didn't really like that job. And he was thinking about leaving and he didn't know what he was going to do next. And it didn't bother him. And it really, look at your face. This is how I, I, know. I know. I can't, I can't do that. So I kept going next, 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 next. But it was a lot in a row, Caitlin, a lot. And finally I went, why well, are you attracting all of these men? See, I hadn't really thought about that. But I went, maybe it's a little, little to do with me. It can't be every man in Orange County. Because <laughs> I meet plenty of men, you know, that are married to other people and are clients that make money and have money, but nobody's sitting across the table from me. So I discovered it was my ex-husband and my father. So inside of me, without making this conscious decision about it, it just happens. We make up stuff. Well, I'm used to that. I can handle that. I know what those kind of men are like. Gosh, maybe it's all I deserve. Maybe it's all I could ever have. And so some therapy and a lot of crying and soul searching. I decided, no, that wasn't me any longer. And I really did deserve to have a man in my life that made money and had money. And the very next man that sat across the table from me made money and had money. And I said, oh, it can't be that easy. So I started looking at the next trait. What was the next trait that didn't work for me? And when I did some thinking about myself and changed my profile, neither of those traits showed up again. So my friends started saying, well, gosh, you're really dating a different kind of guy. What's going on? So I said, go try this. I don't know if it'll work for you. It seems to be working for me. Because you know, single women, we sit around and talk. And it started working for them. Okay. So then I meet my deceased husband and we're on like our third or fourth date and I'm complaining about how I have to do these spreadsheets for my work and it's my least favorite part. I like doing the creative stuff. So Tony says, oh, Christine, how often do you look at your bank account online? Now, I think I'm hot chick because I've been dating guys that never look. And I said, proudly once a month. And he looked horrified. <laughs> so I said, well, gosh, how often do you look, Tony? And he says, well, every day and more than once a day. And I looked horrified because it sounded a little obsessive to somebody who looks once a month. Right, right. And as I got to know him, it's a really good thing to look every day. Your identity doesn't get stolen. The bank error doesn't go on and on for a whole month, which would happen to me. So I went, hmm, maybe that is a good trait. So we met in October of 2005. And in March of 2006, he invited me to go on a cruise with he and his 16-year-old daughter and a friend of hers. And on that cruise, he gave me two presents I didn't ask for. One was diamond stud earrings, and the other was his credit report. <laughs> That's cute. He said, I remember in your profile, it said you needed a man that was financially stable and secure, and I'm falling in love with you, and I want you to know I am. And I said, wow, did I fix that problem? <laughs> and that's my friend said, you really should start a business, because... I didn't do that digging inside of me to coach. I did it to finally. Right. To fix the, me... the problem that you realized yeah. you were having. Yeah. But wow. Yeah. And that's what I do for other people. Cause if there's a trend, it often has something to do with us. Yeah. That that's a very good point. And I, I can imagine that it's been a long time since I've dated I, my husband and I, um, last month celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. So it's been a long time since I've had to even think about dating. Sometimes, you know, even my children, when 
of the all the teenage angst you know happen i think oh god i have no energy for any of that i can't imagine having to do any of that anymore and i, I can't be the only boomer who um might suddenly find themselves right in a position where gee i'm not married anymore you know i'm i'm a widow or a widower or i'm divorced or i'm you know now i'm i'm ready i'm lonely whatever it is and they want to start looking again you know but the whole thing is a little bewildering what um do you find working with the baby boomer set different i don't know if you work with people who are younger we tend to attract people who are around our age group when we yeah. when we have a business yeah um, but do you find working with them different in any way than working with younger people than working with younger people oh yes the most positive things which are a lot i can say is we get each other i mean no matter what our journey's been we were all single at some point we were together with somebody somehow at some point we speak the same language we've lived through a lot of the same highs and lows in our country and right. in our lives and so that is wonderful i love speaking to people that speak my language you know you don't have to explain your jokes to them it's yes. so refreshing <laughs> exactly mm -hmm. so you'll hear that I, I take coaching very seriously and there's times when it's very lots of times it's a very serious conversation but also i have a great sense of humor and i like having people understand that it's not brain surgery and that a first date which feels like 34 pump bolt you know, it's yeah. an interview to see if you would want to see them a second time. It's not your husband. If I can do that with a little sense of humor, too, it seems to lower some of the angst. Okay. The hard part about women our age is we're so, can I say, I'll say darn. Do I have to say darn? You can <laughs> this is so a, damn this independent. Part of the podcast. You can say anything you want. So damn independent which is really not a bad thing ever, but another part of our conversation will probably be around what are the challenges for us and we think men aren't attracted to our independence and it is so wrong, it is so wrong. Oh, that's very interesting you'd say Such a you're saying that because that would have been my guess too, oh, okay. Oh, a lot, oh, you, and you would be speaking just like all the single women right, do. Right, right. But we've lived our life, we've earned our money, we've paid our dues we're ready to have a different kind of life than we had before and, and i would like to think that we maybe know ourselves a little oh, better yes also. yes and you're much more willing to go oh yeah i kind of knew that about me but i had never put it in those words or i hadn't thought about it quite like that but much more fluid Mm -hmm. people haven't been through enough of the ups and downs to really know themselves and there's a lot of pushback a right, lot right a lot of denial or feeling picked on or oh, whereas, yes you know i've definitely reached a point where i can go with the flow and go oh yeah okay i get it. i i see more of the picture now and yeah. you know why let it bother me we're not quite as determined to be right about Ex everything. Exactly. I lost that somewhere along the way because oh. I definitely, you know, had to get me some right, you know, all the time. I had to get me some right every day. And, and I lost it. I don't know where it went, but I lost it somewhere along the way. Well, we don't want the receipt to show up so you can deem it because it's, it, we lost 
more than we could imagine in so many times when we had to be right. There used to be a a radio psychologist, um, Dr. Tony Grant, and she used to say, and I listen now and go, oh, I didn't hear it the same when I was in my 20s and 30s. Do you want to be right or do you want to be loved? Because you get one or the other. You cannot have both. I mean, you can be right, but you can't be right. Yeah. I think right. Dr. Phil's, I've heard him say a, uh, a version of that, like, do you, you want to be right or you want to be happy? Some, something like that. Or, yeah, okay, so you're right. Now would that get you? You know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. We'll and fight to the death almost. Yeah, and it's, you know. Why yeah. do we do that when we're younger? I, I don't know. Maybe it's part of, you know, we think we're proving ourselves, you know, that we can be right. It just, I don't know. It just matters less to me now. So and the other part that I learned, certainly when I entered my 60s, is I didn't care quite as much what other people thought. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. I felt it in my 50s, but boy, my 60s, I'm like, I don't give a shit so much anymore. Oh, I've, I've, and, I'm 52 and I've already reached that. I could care less. You know, you like my hair, you don't like my hair, you like my nail. I really don't care. As long as I like it, that's all that matters. So for coaching women in this age group, it helps because I'll say, so I'm going to give you, I call inside homework and outside homework. And the outside homework is to just go practice doing, saying something to somebody or thinking about men differently, just to retrain yourself. And they're more willing. Yeah. 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 We're more willing. All right. I'll try that. I'm going to come back and tell you if it didn't work, which I really want to hear. If it didn't, but they're more willing to go, all right, I'll give that a try. Yeah, give it a try. Okay, good. So, So, yeah, that's helpful. For people that are are listening to us and hopefully enjoying this conversation, you see a little bit of yourself in it, um, let's give them your top three tips off off the top of your head about how they can start approaching this, you know, new you, uh, the you that is ready to get out there again and actually have a, a long-lasting, a deeper relationship okay. with someone. So the first thing that I find almost no matter the age of the woman, men, men don't do this, but women do. When I'll say, if you were running the world and you could create the guy, I want you to tell me all the things about him. And I want you to tell me all the things he needs to have, and all the things he can't have. And I have a pretty extensive intake list that I do with them, and they never make it even halfway because they've never really thought about it this way because I do it with mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual because those are, whether you're religious or not, even the agnostic, which I have coached, have they need somebody that has a similar look at the world. Right. I mean, there's some real core things. Right. So once you've figured out in those categories, the words, then you have to turn them into whole sentences. And we don't think that way. We just don't. And it's so fun to help them do this because that's what I finally had to start doing was to spell out who it was I wanted. And then the things that you just can't have, the things that are really the deal breakers. Yeah, deal breakers. Mm-hmm, that you can't compromise. So if you start out with just like the top three things you have to have and the top three things you can't have, and those are non-negotiable. 
They really aren't. There might be, if you had a list of 10, there might be a couple that if they had a whole bunch of other great things, right, this one. Yeah, it's a little bit of a balance, right? Yes. And then I have them write about themselves. And what do you offer in a relationship? Well, I have to tell you that that just puts on the brakes a lot because we're not used to talking about ourselves or bragging about ourselves. Right. So I'll have them have asked their friends that just somebody that's been a friend with you for a long time. They know, they know why they're your friend. And so write those down and we'll turn them into sentences because it helps you build up your self-confidence. Right. Like, well, look at that, who I am. And then if you are going to use online dating, which I think is wonderful, it's how I met my husband and it's the biggest pool of single people out there. It helps you create a profile. We use all that information that we're gathering. And what's really interesting is when you've gotten past those top three can't have and have to have, no compromise, how many places we talk about, well, where would you compromise on these other things? What's the thing that you would have your boundaries? You would do, you'd have somebody who had this much time available, but if it was this much less, they couldn't. But you have um, gauging. Because in our age, it's really different than any other age group in that we talk about, well, what are the things that are your priorities? How much exercise do you do and how much participation would you like from them? What's your eating habits? I have no judgment about it, but don't be with somebody who has judgment about it. That'd be kind of silly. Right. What do you like to do to travel? What do you like to talk about? What are the way, how much family time do you spend? Do you spend time on your religion? These are the things that you need to know about yourself so that you can find out about the other person and see if it matches or not. Right. And I love having those conversations because it's like we don't even know about ourselves until we start having those conversations. Yeah. You know, it, I was thinking when, when you were talking about at, having to write down some of these things about yourself or and to ask a friend it i think it's really important to ask a friend more than one friend actually you know <laughs> friends family mm -hmm. because they see traits in you that sometimes you think are not good and yeah. they see them as valuable mm -hmm. right they're looking at them through a different lens because they're not in your head they don't have all your thoughts they haven't experienced it they're just seeing it from the outside and thinking that's a really great trait. I wish I was like that. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, you're taking it for granted or you, you know, you think nothing of it or you wish you didn't do it or whatever it is. So I think that would be a really, really important part of this whole, that would be fun to do whether you want to date or not, just mm -hmm. to kind of get a sense of who you are. You know, if you feel like seeking, not everyone, you know, likes to seek, yeah. but uh, if you feel like it, that, that would be a great thing to do. So mm -hmm. think about those the top things you want, the things that are your deal breakers, but then you got to turn turn around and point the camera at yourself a little bit and think the same thing. You know, what are what are my traits and what's important to me and how I want to spend my time, the things I like to do, and yeah, because there's no right or wrong to any of it, but people have different habits. Absolutely, and we need to acknowledge them. Yeah. It cracks me up. You know, I'll meet somebody who already has a. Um, a profile and we'll go through it and they've checked all these interests and I go wow so tell me about your bicycling or your watercolor and oh I really want to learn how to do that <laughs> so well we write that we don't check that you're doing right, that right. 
Well, that's met funny. somebody, I go, we'll write that. But you don't put that that's what you do. You put what you're doing. Because right. uh, one of those other secrets that we don't know about men is almost whatever we're passionate about, they'll think is cool if they like us. They'll think it's cool because we are so excited about it. Right. Really. It doesn't even matter what it is. Right. It could be such an obtuse thing. I actually met a couple. I'm always talking to people, how long have you been married? And what do you think has kept you married so long? And communication and compromise and don't sweat the small stuff are the most common answers. There's others. But this guy told me about how when he met his wife, they'd been married for 30 years. She had this little ceramic pig collection. I think they were like five. And she just, she had them named and she liked them. She thought it was really fun. And they'd come from really specific places in her travels. She'd search them out. So he would, in his travels, would look for them and get more for her because it would just please her so much. And he goes, you know, I would never in my life be looking for ceramic pigs, but it's because it made her so happy. Right. And she was so excited about it. So that's the other part when we're writing about ourselves and asking people, what does excite me? What do you see that I really enjoy doing? Because as you said, we do take for granted. If it's easy for us, we don't think anybody exactly. else. We don't, yeah, we think nothing of it when it's easy and someone else looks at it and says, that's so astounding, you know? And I, and I, whenever something like that happens, I think, really? That's astounding? You know, because... Uh, where and everyone does it everybody does it with something that's so interesting so what do you think is the biggest challenge that we're we're going to face as as we start to do all this introspection you know and and get ready to go out there again so there's the independent part we think that men have a problem with us being independent and a good guy, and I tell people I would have such a different conversation with you if you're with a bad guy. But if you're with a good guy, which is generally the men that are out there, they're doing their best, they're trying their hardest, they're completely befuddled and confused by us. <laughs> they're so basic. They're so basic. They're so easy. They really, you live with four of them. They really are so much easier than us. We are way more complicated. <laughs> they really are. They are. <laughs> yeah. Food, sex, appreciation. I, I even say that to my husband sometimes. I'm like, you are, you're so simple. They are <laughs> why, fine with that. Why am I complicating my life? You are so simple. <laughs> Food, sex, appreciation. Yeah. That hits all the high points. Yep. Our book goes on for volumes. So what men like in the independent, we would, we would accept this under the heading, is that we do take care of ourselves. We have a job or have had a job and we have built up a savings account and a retirement account and we can make dinner reservations and we know how to call a plumber and we go off and do things with our girlfriends because it pleases us. They, and they like it, they really do like it when we're smart. Mm -hmm. They like when we're smart. Now, I always say there's always two sides to the same coin. So the other side of that coin is, well, uh, you, don't, you don't need to do that for me. I know how to do that. Or I, I don't understand why you're doing it that way. I know how to do it better. Or 
what I, one of the problems is our house and our lives are very full with all of our things and our activities. And the man's like, where do I fit? Mm-hmm. So the challenge for men with that is men are providers. It's in their DNA. It's from back when we were cave people. They don't choose it. It's just who they are. And they're always problem looking. solvers. You know, yeah. So they're looking. Problem, they're trying to solve it. What can they do? Yeah. What can they do? Where do they fit? How can they contribute to their, your life? Not fix your life, just improve it or make it better so that you'll go, thank you. That's what they're always looking for, that you think they're smart and that they did a good job and that you say thank you. So that's the problem for men. They are beyond confused by us. And it's really hard in this age range because do they open the door? They've been yelled at a few times. I can open my own door. Do they pay for dinner? Well, I think it always should be even Stephen. It's like we need to have a discussion. We need to, if they if they offer, you can offer, but if they say no, thank you, then say thank you. Thank you. Right. Thank you for opening the door. I make a point and have always. If I'm going to get to a door at the same time as a guy, I slow down because I like having the door open for me. Makes me feel very girly. I can open the door just fine for me. And if his hands are full, I'm happy to open it. But I like being a woman. I love being a woman. And it makes me feel like a woman to have the door open. And then I always go, thank you with a big smile. And I know I have made his day. I have made his day with that little tiny gesture that he got to open that great big heavy door. (laughs) And that I said, thank you for doing it. It's as if he went out and slayed a dragon. That's how we make them feel if we do that, which is we're saying how we have all this power that we don't know we have and we don't know how to use it well. So the biggest problem is for men is they've stumbled along in their relationships sometimes. I mean, maybe they had a happy relationship, but now they're a widower. So they want to duplicate that, but they can't because you're not going to marry a woman, meet a woman that you're going to, um, raise children with again, probably it's going to be a very different life. But if you've consistently met the wrong women and you haven't been attracted to them or they keep leaving you, they're really confused about why that's happening and they don't know what to do differently. Right. So women don't know how to be independent in a way that is attractive to men and make room in their life for a man and understand that there really are places for men, lovely places for men and that men don't understand how they put us off by trying to fix and trying to help when they think they're just doing the right thing. Oh, and then we give the men advice and that puts them off. There's just, I say there's all this miscommunicating. That was the word that came to mind. If you just communicate, most of these problems would go away. But you have to communicate in a language the other person understands. So I'll give you one example. Okay. We, without a problem, to another woman would say, could you take out the trash? And she'd say, sure. You say that to a man, and even maybe not consciously, but even consciously, he'll go, does does she think I can't? They're very literal that way. Does does, does she think I'm not strong enough or I don't know where the trash cans are? It's it feels undermining to them. I know it sounds like such a tiny thing, yeah, but yeah. I'm just telling you one word. I thought in my, nothing of it when you said <laughs> Because it doesn't bother us. See, the thing I want to tell you is they, lovely Y chromosome people, are not women with more muscles and hair on their body. But we treat them like that a lot. Yeah. 
And they treat us like we're men with less muscles and hair on our body. And it's very confusing. So just changing the word to would, would you please take out the trash? He'll go, sure, sure. And then you've probably experienced it with these four Y chromosomes in your house. They come back and they stand there and you're thinking, I should thank you for taking out the trash. It's just your job. We all fill up the trash can. It was overflowing on the floor. And I had to even ask you, oh my God. But what I tell women is, did you like that they took out the trash? Mm-hmm. Say thank you, they'll do it again. Right. Want them to do it again, say yeah. thank you. If you've ever trained a dog, you reward them for doing good behavior. <laughs> don't be don't be offended that she just compared you to dogs. <laughs> oh, men tell me all the time they're as easy to train as a dog. Food appreciation and if your relationship's like that sex, men tell me it all the time. Yeah. So when you are in a position to make a decision of, God, I think he might be misbehaving. If you just stop a moment, or she's misbehaving, hmm, could it be miscommunicating? Is there even a slight possibility? Even if I don't know what it is, I could ask Christine because I'm the great interpreter. I speak both languages. Guys love it when I, they'll go, I don't know why she's mad. I don't know why she's mad. But well, tell me what she said. I'll say, I understand why that confused you. But let me tell you what she really meant. And he goes, well, I'd understand why that would make her mad, but why doesn't she say that? I said, because we are being subtle and we think if you loved us, you'd already know. (laughs) That's so funny. Why do we have to tell you? Can't you you read my mind that you know what I want? I know, we we do this. We think they have the superpower that they can read our minds. Right. They can't. So I keep encouraging women that if we will just, what do you want? We're back to the list. What do you want? How do we ask them would you please take out the trash? And then when they come back, say, thank you. We give what we want all the time. Not 100%, but a lot more than we're getting now. And that's my favorite thing is to help men and women start communicating instead of feeling they're misbehaving. It's mostly miscommunication. Almost meeting each other's very basic needs. It's not that hard to show appreciation to someone. And if that matters a lot to them, you know, why, why not do that? I know. Right? I know. Th- those are lessons I've learned living with four guys, right? A, hus- a husband and three sons, three grown sons. There's a lot of little lessons like that that I've kind of figured out along the way. It's, a, it's much easier. And then you, I, I often recommend The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman because not only are we talking about male-female differences – But then inside of us, we have different ways that we feel loved. And so now what if you get a woman as I am, and I'm a words of appreciation gal, that is my top love language. I want you to tell me when I'm doing a good job that I did a good job. (laughs) But my husband was an active service person and just went not so gonzo when I would do his laundry. He just thought it was like the coolest thing ever. But he also liked the appreciation because he's a guy. But here's a woman likes appreciation so it's all these interesting levels that i like talking about that it's okay there's some certainly some averages yeah oh always there's lots of layers i love the layers and what's the name of the book again it's called the five love languages by gary chapman it's a teeny little book you can figure out which yours is you can often figure out without them knowing or sometimes it's fun for them to get involved what their love language is it's Acts of service, words of appreciation, gifts, 
physical touch and the attention one time time spent with you so those are the and it's not like you don't have all of them but what's like the most important and the next important right because if you don't get the fifth thing you don't care if you're getting your top two right right just another tool this uh, we could talk about this all day long i can tell already so how can um viewers and listeners find you where can they find you so my website is www.theperfectcatch.com. Oh, and the way I came up with the name, because I used me as the guinea pig, was you have to learn how to be the perfect catch first. Okay. Because I was attracting people that were not a perfect catch for me. But once I became a perfect catch for the right kind of person for me, he showed up. Right, right. And then so it's um, always, I think it's always a good idea to do some work on yourself before you try to be with someone else because someone else can't make you happy. That only comes from you. So it, it does, it, they could be the ideal person, but if you're not in the right place inside, it won't, won't matter. I sent some terrific guys away because I wasn't ready. Yeah, yeah. Terrific guys, but I didn't know what I wanted, and I was very concerned, rightly so, that I would marry the same wrong person again because I hadn't done the internal work. Yeah, yeah. And then when they go to my website, one of the best things is at the top, there's a link that says, what's holding you back from love? And if they click on that, it's just 10 little questions, and they can actually have a free conversation with me. And tell them it's like a first date. We see if they like each other for a match. You know, Very we'll good. talk about the challenges you're having, what what you've done about it so far, where you think you'd like to be, and see if I could help you because I can't help everybody. Right. So that's why I offer it for free because how would we know? Right. Very good. And uh, listeners, as always, you know, I include some notes with the show. I, I include some information about the guests. And I include some of the links. Of course, a link to their websites like um, The Perfect Catch. I wrote it down over here, theperfectcatch.com. And um, I'll probably post the title of that book that she was talking about, about the five love languages and how you can get in touch with Christine because it's very important that you be able to get over to her website and take advantage of that um, free consultation to see if uh, you are a good match and if she can help you put out a lure and catch that perfect mate. Not perfect. Perfect's the wrong word. Perfect for you. Perfect for you. Right. The perfect for you, mate. That's um, what we're always needing to look for is what's the yeah, perfect. Right. There's, and there's someone for everyone. There's at the, least I, one someone for everyone. There's a lid for every pot, I tell you. Yeah, them. yeah, absolutely. So before I um, let you go, finally, I always ask my guests if they'd like to share an inspirational quote or story with us before we leave. Sure. I had um, I coach people that are looking for a relationship as all as well as people that are in a relationship. Right. And so I ended up meeting this woman who was so wanting to be married to her guy. They'd been together for five years and they were doing really well together, but she was quite frustrated and even considering leaving him. Mm. So she hired me and we coached for a little while. And as I suspected, she hadn't really clearly told him how important this was to her. And so I helped her tell him and 
Now they're engaged. Oh, very good. See, it's all about communication again. It's so about communication. Right? How, so about they communication. really can't read our minds. I know uh, in the romance novels, the perfect guy can read your mind and it's fabulous. But it doesn't really work that way. It just doesn't work that way. I have a newsletter that I send out every couple of weeks. And then I do posting um, on my Facebook page. And also there's a, oh, there's a Facebook page. It's called Finding Love After 50. It's run by this man named Tom Blake, who's written a lot of books about being um, our generation right. and what it was like to date in his 50s when he came right. home and his house was cleared out and his wife had left him. Mm. But um, one of the things I posted recently was, we think men have superpowers. We think they can read our minds. They can't. Please tell them clearly. And all the men are like, yes, thank you so much. Their comments just went on and on and on. Yeah, it's, so, it's true. We, you know, I don't know why we, we think that they should, but because uh, I even find myself doing it sometimes. And I think, what am I doing? He's never going to be able to read my mind. Why am I, after all these years, why am I expecting him to be able to figure this out? Let me just go tell him. It's because our girlfriends can. You're <laughs> like an MRI. Well, we yeah, maybe. Yeah. And people, we're, how are they doing? You do that with your boy. How are they doing? Are they hurt? Are they hungry? Do they need yeah, something? Yeah. We're this multi, they were this diffuse awareness person. I used to tease my husband. I go, I have to go fix that pillow. It's talking to me. And he'd go, really? Go, yeah. Yeah, the, I guess uh, are very the intuition, yeah, the intuition with other people. But if you've explained it to them, this is what makes me happy. And I promise you'll get rewarded if you go do it. Then they're happy to do it. Yeah. Happy to do it. Yep. Well, it yeah. has been great meeting you today. You too. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's really been even more of a pleasure than I could have imagined. I've really had fun talking to you. And like I said, uh, we could talk about this all day, but we've got to be fair with Christine's time and with your time. So I will remind you on Tuesday afternoons around 2 p.m. Eastern, we always release a new episode of Boomer's Ultimate Guide Podcast, which you can find at boomersultimateguidepodcast.com. <laughs> um, and there, I know it's such a long name, my, my branding. I should have thought about that twice, right? Boomer's Ultimate Guide 2 is always in, in front of all this stuff. But that's why there is a shortcut, the Bug Podcast. My assistant and I called everything related to Boomer's Ultimate Guide Bug. I <laughs> it's love just that. our internal acronym, right? So I the Bug it. Podcast you can go to or the Bug Books you can go to. So Perfect. anyway, enough about me. I would like you to also visit Christine at theperfectcatch.com. And Christine Baumgartner, thank you very much for visiting thank us on Boomer's thanks. Ultimate Guide Podcast. And until I see you again next time, you know, I would very much like you to take care. Bye. Boom, baby. That's it for now. See you next time on Boomer's Ultimate Guide Podcast.